This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. All right, well, welcome, guys, everybody here today. We're going to be diving in, actually, today to our Build the Wall series we're going to be looking into the book of Nehemiah over the next couple of few months. And I'm going to be launching that today um, with a message that I've titled, The Sword and the Trowel. So, The Sword and the Trowel. I want to show you this verse that the Lord just kind of showed me out of the book of Nehemiah. And it's kind of really the theme that I'm feeling as we enter into um, this series and, and really um, what God specifically wants me to focus on today. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17 He says, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked construction or they had that trowel and with the other hand they held a weapon, the sword. And so today what we're going to focus on um, as we dive in here today is that the sword really represents the vision. The vision of the kingdom, the vision of what God's up to on the earth. We talk about Harbor Sunday As it relates to vision, it's not our vision, right? And and hopefully all of us in the body of Christ should be tuned in enough to really understand, to hear, to listen. What is the vision of what God's up to? And that's massively important. So the sword has to be in our hands as as we build the wall, right? But on the other side, there's this trowel, and that's really the heart behind the vision, Right? And the culture really that 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 sustains it and, and makes it a healthy, safe space. I mean, you know, all kinds of things are being built in the world right now. There's lots of visions, lots of companies that have mission statements, right? Cultural, you know, phrases that their employees go by. But but is it building according to the Lord and what the Lord has and according to his culture, again, that keeps people safe in this space? One of the things that I want to just say that, that we're sensing very strongly, and Wendy and I just had the privilege of coming back from a pastor retreat with, with seven other couples. Um, we actually met together in, in Northern California, and a friend of ours from our Birmingham days actually made this happen. Um, he, he supported us to go, and, and man, I'm telling you, there's something about a gift of generosity to, to just give space. Uh, for, for someone to really just kind of take some time down, decompress, and then hearts open in that, in that time. We saw over the course of five days uh, just incredible things happen to these leaders. But here's, here's what, what was so, um, so just evident to me is it was really experiential learning. Experiential learning. And so what I'm going to actually talk a lot about today is really this whole concept. This is, this is how Jesus even operated with his disciples. He took them on adventures. He had intimate times of conversation around a table, which we're even actually just remodeling some in this, in this uh, room right here that we're actually going to call the table. Because transformation happens around intimate conversation and connection with one another. But it's experiential learning. There's a phrase in saying that goes like this. I heard and I forgot. 
I could talk to you two days from now. Hey, tell me what I said on Sunday. And you'd be like, oh, it was really awesome. It was amazing. Okay, give me one thing. Uh, and sometimes I've had people say stuff that I, wasn't even anything that I said. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Preaching their own message on the inside. These times are important to have, you know, a moment like today. But, but we hear and we forget. But we see and we remember. But then... We do, and we understand. That's where the Lord has taken us, where we can come together as a family, do some things with Jesus, and really get that understanding that he wants to give us. So just in terms of our, our annual rhythm, for those of you that may be new or you maybe don't, don't have this fully in your vocabulary and heart, we really kick things off every year after Labor Day weekend. How many of you know up until Labor Day weekend, even coming out of the summer, we're still somewhat on vacation? Can I get an amen? Right? You're still looking for one more barbecue, one more trip away, one more day at the beach, one more something. And that's really good. We need to recreate, to recreate. We need time to give ourselves to, to, to renewal and to rest. Come on, right? And so that's so important. And so we, we dial down in the summers. We just kind of pale everything back. We make space for families to do what families do and friends to go hang out and be together. And, of course, we gather here every Sunday during the summer. But every year after Labor Day weekend, we come together um, with a Vision Sunday and launch into our season of ministry that will last from September all the way through next August with that summer say laws I've already mentioned. But just a few highlights in our annual rhythm, one of the things that I want you guys to know about is from September to May, we launch our various ministries within Harbor, which is like prism and prayer and youth and other things that we do. So those things are happening from September through May. And then we want to cultivate what it looks like to really engage with one another. I mean, you know, the engagement, and I'm going I'm to spend a little more time on this in just a minute, but engagement is key to our growth as disciples. This is how we learn. This is how we understand. This is how we come to know by doing things together through engagement. It's really, really important. And this is where God is growing us in loving one another. This is family. I mean, this is crazy thought, but it says that the whole entire world will know that we are his disciples by what? The love that we have for one another. And we give so much emphasis to so many other things, and yet the world is going to only know at the end of the day that we're truly his and be influenced by that knowledge as we love one another. And so Harbor at Home Sundays, which we're going to talk about, are a huge part of this emphasis, which kick off uh, the week after next, and they're going to be happening here as we share it on the video. It's really exciting. So this is like a big living room for us. And now we have all kinds of other living rooms throughout the ministry center that are going to be spaces for us to have connection and engagement after a little bit shorter time of worship and connection on the front end of our gatherings. They're going to be amazing times, guys. It's going to be awesome. So from September to May, um, this is going to be happening and then during December, we take a time uh, just to focus on the coming of Jesus. How many of you know it's so important for us to just remember, wow, God, you left heaven to come to the earth, you know, to give your life so that we could have life. And we're going to take that entire month just to celebrate that time. It's also a lot of fun together. We do our night of stars for our Harbor Serve 
um, team, and we just really celebrate together just all that, that God's been doing in our midst in terms of our times uh, of ministry and equipping and stuff. It's, it's really, really awesome. And then we, we launch back out again in January, new year, new time, right? It's, it's just the time to, to move forward, and we, we go back into our Harbor at Home Sundays and our other gatherings. But there's three, three Sundays, I want to call your attention to this, throughout the September through May time period where we have what's called a fifth Sunday. So it's five Sundays in the month. And this is where we take focused, intentional effort to step outside of the four walls of a building or a small group and really give ourselves to our community and make a difference. And so the first one's coming up in October on the 29th. We have another one in January on the 29th and then April 30th. And so these are gonna be really key times for us to journey together and cultivate a heart for other people. It's gonna be a really, really amazing time. Then of course in June and July and August, up through Labor Day weekend, we're back in our summer stay lot. Awesome. So let me just pray. Father, would you come and would you speak to us? just through your word. Pray that eyes would be able to see and ears would be able to hear really clearly what you're saying to the church, what you're saying to us here in South Florida, what you're saying to the harbor specifically. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name. Sword in the trial, let me show you that again. Nehemiah 417, with one hand they worked at construction And with the other hand, they held a weapon. So vision and the heart behind the vision. Key in anything that we're building. Let's think about this this whole sword concept, you know. This whole sword concept, you can see it all throughout the word. It's, it's, It's literally from Genesis to Revelation. And it's really this this thought about what is God's purposes in the world. I want to say to you this morning, he is at work. And maybe he's at work right now, unlike any other time in human history. Now is the moment when God is at work and his purposes are beginning to be seen. Here's what he does. He takes his vision and he wraps flesh and blood around it. He started with his son and then it, it's, it's, it's now moving into you personally. Every single person is a part of God's purposes in the world that are happening right now in a dynamic way. And so he is moving. We need to pay attention. God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Listen, there's nothing more exhausting than giving ourselves to stuff that has no eternal value, right? So we want to dial into what God is saying. So God's purposes in the the world. And this construction trial is really the heart. Man, if we don't carry God's heart, we can be doing all kinds of religious things. And they don't really minister life to people. It's so important. The culture of the kingdom of heaven is so important for us to understand and to, to navigate you know, forward with God in his culture, in his ways. It's one of the reasons that we're really getting greater understanding on who the father is. Who is he? What is his nature? What is his character? And we can see the express image of that nature reflected in Jesus. You just have to look to Jesus to be able to see the father. And we need to carry that same culture 
and that same heart. So during this series, we're going to focus on the book of Nehemiah. But what I want to pour out to you this morning is that actually Ezra, the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah were actually one book. One book, one collective story. We'll give most of our time into the book of Nehemiah. But Ezra and Nehemiah were actually one book. And Ezra, um, the whole storyline there is that he rebuilt the temple. He rebuilt the temple of God. Now think about this. So first priority that God is up to in the world is rebuilding us. Because maybe you thought, oh, he's rebuilding built church buildings. No, you are the carrier of God's presence in the world. You are his moving tabernacle, his mobile tabernacle. He is rebuilding you. So when we talk about God's purposes in the earth, how many of you know he's rebuilding his church? He's rebuilding, and that's, that's believers, that's followers of Jesus. That's what he's primarily up to. And then he uses us from there to rebuild the walls and the gates. The walls and the gates, the gates, think about it like this, are the entrance points into the life that we've experienced. How good are we at making an opportunity, given opportunity for people to come in and experience what we have? Or do we just kind of keep it to ourselves, right? Gates are massive. God wants us to rebuild the gates where people can come and see and taste that the Lord is good by looking at our lives. And this happens within our spheres of influence, our places of work, our neighborhoods, our social relationships. Even being bold enough to say, hey, why don't you come join me at the harbor this Sunday or at a harbor, a home Sunday or whatever the case may be. Or just even better, just come over to my house tomorrow night for dinner. We'd love to hang out with you and spend some time. That's rebuilding the gates. The walls, think about walls. What do walls represent? Walls represent safety and protection. How many of you know we live in a very unsafe world right now and people are looking for a place where they can experience peace? They're desperate for some sort of safe place. Listen, this is so important for us to be safe people. And that goes back to us being rebuilt. You know, hurt people hurt other people. It's, it's, and this is why restoration is so key to our hearts. God is doing something in us so that we can be an example, a wall for somebody else where they can come and find safety and rest. And then in the books of Ezra and of course in Nehemiah, we see the miracle of God's grace as his people are rebuilt and transformed. In fact, Nehemiah in that book, which... His name literally means comforter, enabler, empowerer. He rebuilds the gates and walls in 52 days. When for, listen, when for 70 years, they had been given themselves to the rebuilding of the gates and the walls. And every time they would build something, the enemy would come right in and tear the thing down. You ever felt like that in your life sometimes? You're like, oh, I'm trying to take something. And then boom, here he comes and tears everything down, right? What would it look like if there was grace poured out in the church to anything that we put our hands to? It just began to prosper. Come on, this is where we're going. This is the moment that we're in right now as the body in the earth. It's like, Lord, empower us, 
by your grace to do whatever you've called us to do, to rebuild those gates, to rebuild those walls, and that the enemy is disempowered to tear anything down. The only reason he's in power is because we give him the power, right? <laughs> you know, there's so much even criticism within the body of Christ. Or there's not unity. There's no support. This is where God is, is, is rebuilding all of these things inside of us so that when we put our hand to something, we can see something incredible. So a little deeper into the sword. I call it the, the parallel to the Great Commission, which is to go. So God's purposes really are one word, go, go. The Great Commission, which is where we go, and according to Matthew 28, verse 19, we go and disciple nations. God's given us authority. Everybody say authority. We don't go in our own power, right? He's given us authority to go and make disciples in Jesus' name. And so this is this sword vision. This is where we're heading. This is what God is up to. So if you're like, Darren, what's the, what's the mission of God? What are his purposes? He wants to disciple cities and nations. What does that mean? He wants to teach his people living on the earth, those created in his image, his ways so that we can experience life and not destruction and brokenness, right? This is what he's up to. This is transformed people, transforming culture. So when he gets a hold of our hearts, we are transformed and then we're automatically empowered to go and begin to transform culture. Now the trowel or the heart behind this movement, and this is what I wanna focus on just for the few minutes that we have remaining this morning, is the new commandment. So it's the great commission Go, and the new commandment to love. Now, specifically, what does that love look like? Because love is defined as so many things today, right? So many things in our culture, but there's a love that he wants us to express. And here's what it is. John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, here it is, just as I have loved you. In other words, we're going to give away what we've received from the Lord. So his love for us that we've come to know, that we've truly come to understand through experience, through experiential learning, not through someone standing on a stage talking to you about it, But through experiential learning, we will then be able to replicate that into the lives of other people. And he says in verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world. It will be what what captivates the world. They'll be like, there is something different about you all. And it will prove to the world that we are his disciples. Here's what I want to submit. I, I submit that knowing God We talk a lot about knowing God. If if, if you're here at Harbor, we're going to teach you what it looks like to know God, to truly know God. I promise you, if you give yourself over to this community and to what Holy Spirit is up to here, you will walk away from your time here and you will be able to say, I really know the Lord. Okay? That's massive, right? So you will be able to know God. But that is really fleshed out 
and, and really understood, um, you know, practically when we actually are able to love other people. I've met a lot of people that say they know God and man, they just have a really hard time of loving other people. And I question in a healthy way because I know that it has to parallel. In fact, if you look at what we have in our True North um, discipleship framework, the knowing God and loving people components are on the same plane. It's like, hey, yes, we're going to know God. But in knowing God, we're going to love people. It's going to be an equal emphasis fleshed out through experience. And it has to be the case because that's the only way we're going to find our way to True North. It's the only way we're going to hit the bullseye of what God is up to, to see transform people, transforming culture. So the priority, please hear this, this is very important, of small group engagement over large event-based ministry is really key to the foundation of the kingdom of God. So this last week we had the privilege to, um, as I mentioned earlier, go away to Northern California, spend five days at the Scott River Lodge, which was an exquisite place, amazing environment. And we got plunked into this pastor retreat with people we never had met before, people we never knew, never knew anything about. And it was seven total couples. Well, listen, I'm really um, comfortable in relationship and engagement, but mostly with people that I know. I, I don't, I just, Wendy has never met a stranger. I'm just not that way. I have a harder time being plunked into just groups of people that I don't know. And when our facilitators said, hey, we're gonna have some times together and we're gonna have some exercises that we want all of you to participate in, I was melting from the inside out. In fact, there was this moment where I was like, I'm actually not going to go to that session when we have the experiential learning. Can you imagine? Here I am, this pastor, and I'm like, I'm not going to go, God, you know. Because I don't want to be embarrassed in front of other people. Which happened, which totally happened. We played this one game called The Quiet Whisper. Have you guys seen this? this uh, game. It's where you put on these headphones. Jimmy Fallon invented it, I think. I'm not sure. Sorry. It comes from the pit of hell. Amen. Come on. But, and I, I experienced it actually, but you put on these headphones, you can't hear anything. And then you're, you're supposed to look at your spouse and read her lips and, and repeat what she's saying. And we got pickles on a bun or something like that was our friend. And I could not understand Pickles. It just, just wasn't that. And I was like, use your lips so I can see what you're saying. But then I was so caught up by the music. I was kind of, I was, and Wendy was like, stop, don't do that. And don't dare. And please. And I think I found it so intriguing to even watch our facilitators like just kind of ease us in to our hearts being open. 
you know, nothing, nothing massive happened the first night. It was like, hey, here's some awesome dinner. You know, here's some, some time that you can just hang out and get to know. And it was, you know, again, just you're finding your way. Like, I don't know these people. You're sizing everybody up. You're trying to figure out, like, exactly, you know, who they are, how they're made, how they're wired, you know. Making some judgments maybe a little bit, right, on, on the front end. I'm just talking real. One of the guys, he opened up at the end. He's like, he's like, I don't know what in the world I was thinking coming here, like submitting myself to some leaders I've never even met before and then hanging out with people that I probably would never hang out. And they, by the end, he's just crying. I love you, man. I want to go fishing with you. It's so awesome. You know, and it was just because his heart opened up over time. It's powerful. We need to make space to get a little uncomfortable and get to know each other. But listen, through experiences, through times together in, in groups and, and ministry engagement and all kinds of things that we're gonna be super intentional here because Jesus was super intentional. You will come to the end of a journey and you will truly know God and you'll know other people. And you'll be known. You'll be known. It was so awesome last night, you know, we had a time where, where there was just affirmation spoke over each couple. And it was amazing. It was like, wow, they, they really know us. It was just confirmation of who we are and how we're made and how we're wired. But they came to know us in that way, in five days. So if in five days that can happen, how many of you know over the course of this next year, it can really happen? Come on, somebody. But we gotta give ourselves to this. So unity, I'm wrapping this up, through and is garnered through engagement with one another, but it's under something. It's under, it's not just, we're not just building a social club here. There's all kinds of microcosms of community that are out there. There's bikers, there's, there's mountain uh, climbers, there's, you know, water skiers. I don't know why I'm just saying names here. I don't even, I'm not saying uh, What else? Uh, fishermen, I don't know. You know, and you can just kind of just get around people that you like doing stuff with. And then, man, I got a community, which is good, but it's, it's got to be under something. We, we're living for purpose here. We've got one life. We've got one life to give for eternal things. And everything we're doing right now is being stored up into that next reality that we're going to enter into. And there are good gifts and rewards for us there. And we're going on a journey together. We're going we're gonna to high five for the next gazillion years saying, man, remember what happened in South Florida? Remember, man, the, the sovereignty, God, of you bringing us together to see something awesome, to see something historic? So as God's building me and I'm giving my heart to his purposes, I want to I actually see something transcend. I'm not out for some performance deal, but I want to see mission happening. And this is where we begin to impact our world. I want to put this next true note, note slide, slide up there for you. Through faith, hope, and love. Three simple things that as we know God and love people, we're going to give ourselves to really understanding what faith, hope, and love are all about. Because they're powerful. I don't have time to go into it in detail today, but they're powerful because what Christ accomplished is bigger and more massive than any of us might even realize sitting in this room today. Hope? This is not like maybe something's gonna happen. It's actually a certainty 
of God's promises being yes and amen. He's not a man like us that he could even lie. There's something dynamic about the reality of hope. And love is the essence of God. So as the team comes back up, there is, there is something about faith, faith coming and remedying spiritual lostness. Listen, I'm not a religious guy, and, and I mean that in the negative sense, like where I'm just all about religion and religious words. I actually don't like it. I like stuff that's authentic, personally. So please don't hear this through any religious lens, but the world is lost. And that's just a reality. It's more lost than I think I even knew. I'm hearing stories. You know, there was one pastor couple. They were from this small town. You think raising your family in a small town is a great way to go. Let me tell you, when there's not a lot of options, kids get swept into the, the primary of what's happening in that place. And the stuff they were telling us about sexual things happening and addictions and brokenness, it tore my heart up. And I was like, God, we need something powerful to break the spiritual lostness in our world. Hope, that comes and remedies systemic brokenness. You know, we watched a, a documentary while we were out on this trip about the, the 2000 seven or eight collapse and and it got into some of the financial you know spaces Lehman Brothers you want to talk about brokenness and culture corruption none of them none of the major leaders of that entity paid anything for what went down and there was so much evil I probably are going to get taken out by saying this can we delete this from the, the podcast Ooh. Terrible, systemic brokenness in our world. Hope is going to be the only thing that's going to restore that. That God can change the culture of our cities and of our businesses. Any business leaders in the house that want to raise up a new kind of culture to put Jesus on display that looks different than the ways of this world? Hope could come when that begins to happen. Come on, somebody. What does it look like? Kadil's going to be moving pretty soon to Hawaii. Another, we lost another great one to Hawaii. <laughs> but anyhow, he's only going for a year, and then they're coming back stronger and better than ever. Can I get an amen? But what does it look like to practice medicine with the glory of God at the center of it? Inspires hope. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, Nehemiah was a man, and he was scared you know, but you look back in Nehemiah 2, and he went before the king. He went boldly, not on behalf of himself. It wasn't oh, something he needed, but he was asking for a bigger ask. He was asking for something for a city, for a people, right? And I look back even on Queen Esther, which her, her, her name actually means hidden, concealed. And that's, that's a good thing. God hid her from danger so in the moment she could come before the king he could extend her scepter and what is it that you ask and she had a big ask as well for a people 
And I really feel that God is raising up in this moment, Queen Esther's and Nehemiah's to be able to go before the king. And the king is saying, what is it you ask for? Right? So this morning, let's just go before the king and say, what is it that you're asking for? Because God wants to give that to you, all of us. This, this is it. This is actually oh, again, it's such a perfect segue into what we're going to do right now. I want to have all of you stand up. Wendy is so right. Like, if you look, just go and start to dive into the book of Nehemiah before we even jump into it, starting in a couple of weeks. But look at the boldness of his ask. I mean, it was crazy. You don't ask kings the things that Nehemiah did, but he did. Here's what I want to read over you guys. This is the word that the Lord gave me Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, 12. We'll see that one in just a minute. But he writes, we long to see you passionately advance until the end so that your hope will be fulfilled. Now we're going to pray for you in just a minute because we want you to be commissioned in this. Co-mission together. Unity is co-mission, right? We're co-missioning together. And I just want to say, we're in a community. We're in a family. And community means common union. We have a common union with a common purpose. So good. But here's what we need to know. And this is so freeing. That we, I want to put this up. That we enter into this rest because we are not working for victory, but from it playing field has been leveled and we can make bold asks and God could do something great through us. Verse 12, he says, so don't, listen, this is so important. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God had promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Come on. We're going to make it impossible for people that come hang around us here to grow dull, to lose patience, to lose heart. I love this, this quote. It says, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters to what lies within us. Have we experienced things in the past? Yes. Will we have troubles in the future? Yes. But there is a greater reality called Christ in you that is far superior to anything that we've walked through. So if we take just a minute, just close our eyes, could we ask for this morning for God to commission us to be rebuilt to be on mission. And I'm going to ask just Wendy to pray and just... Thank you, God, for this morning, Lord. Lord, we do. We thank you for the past. Lord, for the things that are behind us. Lord, and we thank you for the things that are in front of us. 
Lord, but without the acknowledgement of who you are in us, <laughs> Father God, we can't do what we need to do. And so Lord, we thank you for the power of the cross, Lord, that came through the, the brokenness of your body and through your blood. Lord, that is running through our veins and living in our body, Father God, for such a time as this. Lord, I thank you. Um, and just remembering like Romans 8, 28, like God takes all things and uses them for the good. So all those broken pieces in your life, all those things that you're like, well, God can't use me because of this. And you have all the list of why God won't use you. But God doesn't see that he has his own list of, of why he's going to use you because you're his son, because you're his daughter. And so Lord, we thank you and proclaim this new season, Father God, in our lives individually and corporately as a community and common union for the purposes together, Lord, that you have for us. Lord, beyond our, above and beyond all we could ever hope for or ever imagine. And we come into agreement with that. I just want you to say amen to that. Right, amen. I just want to hear corporate amen. Thank you, Jesus, that, that we can do stuff really good and when we're one person, when we're together, we can change the world. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that you're calling us to this world to be a city on a hill to shine brightly with a light that is in within each of us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For just two minutes as the band leads us, let's just take a minute and just put our hearts before the Lord and then Juan's gonna come up and close out our time. But can we just take this moment and just let Holy Spirit do something in us right now that's, that's, that's profound and eternal that we'll see the fruit of and just allow him to come and commission our hearts into what he has for us over the course of this next year. It's gonna be a great ride, church. It's gonna be an amazing journey. We're gonna see God do miracles, but we gotta go before the king and ask him. Maybe even in this time, you need to start asking him for some things that you wanna see happen. Be bold and do that. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.